Would you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be holy and acceptable in your sight. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So I have to be honest for a minute. Um, this current sermon series is lectionary-based. I do this from time to time. Sometimes I make my own thing. Sometimes I pull from the lectionary. Um, when I use the lectionary, usually I just look at a few weeks at a time and see what the prescribed readings are. Um, you know, what a lot of churches throughout the world are all reading on the same day. And um, I look at them and say, okay, what is the theme going through it? What, what's the point here that's being conveyed each week in a row? Um, what gives us a better picture of what this scripture is about, um, this series of scriptures. And, and so I decided to do this post-Pentecost, um, and I, I knew it would be a challenge for me because um, right now the gospel reading out of the lectionary is in Matthew. You heard that. You probably picked up on that, that the gospel reading is Matthew. Um, what you might not know is that Matthew is my least favorite of the Gospels. There's a whole lot of reasons I could go into. Mostly, it's because Matthew was written for a Jewish audience, and I am not a first century Jew. I am a 21st century American. There's a little bit of difference. And so there's a lot of Matthew that just goes right over my head because I'm not the target audience. Luke is my favorite because Luke was written for Gentiles. I'm a Gentile. It makes sense. That's so if you ever are reading through Matthew and you wonder why it doesn't make sense, that's why. It's not really written for you. You can get a lot out of it, but there are some things that you just might not understand because you're not a first century Jew. Um, today is one of those days that reading through Matthew's gospel, um, as I was reading through it this week, thought, this is a little weird. Um, but then um, I also thought that Okay, this sounds just like something else that Jesus said in Luke's gospel. So I flipped over to Luke, and I read that, and I thought, oh, okay, now it all makes sense. So I flipped back to Matthew, and I had a little more understanding of what was going on. And then as I started to read through it, I realized there are times when Matthew surprises me. And the more I read and, and prayed about this scripture and looked up some commentaries, I thought, oh, okay, this is one of those days. Matthew is surprising me with something that like, makes sense. The passage that we heard... Um, has has a pretty well-known section in it. Um, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send laborers out into his harvest. We know that passage. People in our society who aren't Christian know that passage. They don't know it's from the Bible, but you hear people talk about the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few, and that idea is, is ingrained in us. We know that scripture. And where Matthew surprised me in this, in this passage was um, in seeing this parallel that he establishes between Jesus and the apostles. This is the only time Matthew calls them the apostles, which coming from the Greek literally means those who are sent out. He's sending them out, so they're named apostles. Um, Jesus had been traveling with, with his 12 disciples throughout um, Galilee and then the Decapolis, it's the other side of the Jordan, um, from the sea of, and the other side of the Sea of Galilee from Galilee. Um, he'd been traveling around teaching and, and healing, and 
And then after telling his disciples about the abundance of the harvest that, that God had um, established, that he sent out the disciples to go and do the same thing that he had been doing. This is the, the, the parallel that Matthew puts in place. He tells them to go and do this stuff, and then he adds on more than what he was doing. He sends the disciples out to, to teach, to proclaim the kingdom of God has come near. He tells them to heal to cast out demons, to even raise the dead. And then there are instructions, if you keep reading after uh, 10, starting in verse 9, keep reading, there are instructions on how they're supposed to travel, what they do when they get to town, uh, that they're not supposed to take any payment. Um, this is the part of the instructions Jesus gives that you might know when he tells people to shake the dust off their feet. If, if they're not welcomed in a town, to go and leave it and shake the dust off and, and keep on their way. Um, all of these instructions that Jesus offers to the disciples sort of parallel his actions that, that they had just gone through with him, but then they also foreshadow to what we heard last week at the end of Matthew's gospel before Jesus ascends when he tells the disciples to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. It's this nice little bracketing of how they are actually supposed to go out. When they would have heard Jesus tell them to go out again, to, to make disciples, to baptize in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they would have remembered this first set of instructions on how to go, what they should take, how they should treat others, how they should interact with people. And this is a fascinating thing that Matthew does that surprised me because I forgot, because I don't pay attention to Matthew a lot of the time, forgot that he does this. This is the way Matthew works, to set up these parallels between Jesus and then the disciples. It's a part of, of our faith heritage coming out of, of Judaism that the disciples are those who are trained to become like their teacher. That's why the disciples are sent to go out and do what Jesus had already done. It's also a reminder for us that as disciples of Jesus, we are given these same instructions, just like they were. And Matthew, then, just to complicate things, um, you, you find this really odd part of this passage, the beginning of chapter 10, when Matthew gives us the list of the apostles. We know that they've been sent out, and then we know who they are, and then we find out what they have been called to do. But there's this part of the story where we find out who they are. We've already known because we saw them be called. But Matthew thinks it's important to tell us again. And the reason why Matthew tells us is um, partially to show us who we are. He brackets the list with Peter, also called Simon, who denies Jesus and ends it with Judas, Judas Iscariot, who betrays him. And then in between you have all the others. Andrew, James, and John, the sons of Zebedee, Philip, Bartholomew... Thomas, James, Thaddeus, and then there's really the interesting part of the disciples. The interesting ones that we don't think are interesting. Matthew the tax collector, and Simon, Matthew calls the Canaanian, but we also know him as Simon the zealot. Matthew, who was the, the collaborator with, with Rome, who went around stealing from the people, collecting taxes, but the way tax collectors made their living was to take more than they were told to take. They were traitors to the people, the worst of the sinners. 
That's how people saw tax collectors. And then you have Simon, the person who rebelled against Rome. That's what, that was his, life, his life's work. He's trying to overthrow the, the Roman empire that had come and taken over Israel. And we see these two people sent out to go do the same exact things that Jesus had done. These two people who had nothing in common, probably couldn't stand being around each other, but who had both decided to follow Jesus when he had said, come, follow me. These were the people that Jesus sent out into the harvest. These 12, two of them who one denied and betrayed, two who couldn't get along, and, and the other ones that they just were dense most of the time. Sounds a little bit like us. But another reason that Matthew surprised me this week was in telling us why the disciples were sent out. It's because Jesus, when he had been traveling around, teaching and healing, he saw the crowds of people, and he saw them, he saw that they were harassed and helpless. And so he has compassion on them. That's the whole reason why they were sent out. It's this odd bit of information that we get. Jesus sees the people, and they were harassed and helpless. And Matthew says he had compassion. And so Matthew tells us that Jesus sends these laborers out into the harvest, and, and he tells them to go and care for the lost sheep of Israel, and then to ask God to send more laborers, because the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. If we pay attention to what Matthew is saying about what happened back then, he's also asking a question to the readers today. Matthew's really asking us, do we see others like Jesus saw them? Do we see the people out around us? And if we do see them, because it's not necessarily certain that we actually stop and pay attention to the crowds, if we do see them, how do we respond? Do we respond with compassion like Jesus did? Or do we continue to leave people living broken lives in a broken world? And then Matthew's even asking us to consider who do we see as harassed and helpless? If we were to look through Jesus' eyes, who would we offer compassion to? And I can tell you that, that if we stopped and thought about it, that who do we think of as harassed and helpless um, we would probably have an endless list. There are people who live probably right near you. We know there are people all throughout our country who lack hope and feel like they lack a purpose in life. There are people who feel lost and alone, especially right now with all we're, we're dealing with. Um, there are people without gainful employment. might be people who are working two or three jobs to make ends meet. There might be people who can't find a job there might be people who have been laid off and don't know how they'll survive. We live in a world where people lack access to quality health care, especially mental health services. Here in this very community, there are people who are trapped by addiction of all sorts, but especially we know the crisis from opioids. If we look around, we, we should see people who feel trampled underfoot by by the systems of power that exist in the world, that, that they feel let down or left out. People who feel like their very lives are at stake every day. People who are seen as valueless by others in society. Those are the types of people that Jesus saw. And they're probably the types of people that we 
should see. But Matthew's asking us, do we? Do we see them? So it's here at this point in Matthew's gospel that Jesus surprises us by being Jesus. He's not concerned at all right now with saving souls. Jesus rarely seems to be concerned about that. He's confident that he is the word of God made flesh, has come to show that the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus doesn't really seem to be concerned so much of what's going to happen to people later because he knows he knows that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. So he doesn't worry about it. What he does worry about is, how are we going to get there? What are we going to do to make it happen? And so what does he tell the, the disciples? He says, go and proclaim the good news that the kingdom of God is at hand, is right now. God is here with us. And then he says to go and cure the sick and raise the dead cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. These aren't the things that someone tells you to do if they don't care about your daily life. Christians for centuries have been stuck with this um, misconception that our faith is all about getting to heaven. That's part of our faith. Hear me say that. Part of our faith is about the afterlife. You know, John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life, life everlasting. That's part of our faith. But another part of our faith, Jesus is, is pointing out right now, is to tend to the daily reality that people live. People who feel harassed and helpless. Jesus also tells us, this is the important part of this passage. Jesus tells us that it's not our job to do alone because we can't do it alone. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. There's not enough of us to do the work. So we should ask God, who Jesus calls the Lord of the harvest, to send out more workers. Jesus calls God the Lord of the harvest because Jesus knows what's going to happen. He knows that the story ends with the kingdom of God coming down, that, that scene in Revelation, the city with the gates open, where Jesus sits on the throne, where everyone bows before him, where all worship the Lamb. Jesus knows that's how the story ends. So he knows that the Lord of the harvest will see to the work and will help us when we ask. But we also see Jesus moved by what he sees in front of him. He saw the crowds harassed and helpless, and he has compassion on them. And, and because he has compassion, we see him act on that. It's not just an emotion he feels, it's who he is and what he does. He sends out the disciples, telling them to, to preach the good news, to heal, to cleanse, to raise the dead, to cast out demons. Jesus saw everyone for who they were, the crowd, the disciples. He knew Peter for who he was. He knew Judas for who he was. He knew Matthew and Simon the Zealot for who they were. He knew their needs. He felt their pain. And he gave his life to change theirs. So Matthew is wondering, are we listening to what Jesus has to say? We were all once people who were harassed and helpless. Maybe we still are. Maybe we still feel that way. Probably we felt helpless because of 
our own sinfulness, harassed by consequences of our actions, but that's not always the case. Matthew is telling us that there is a world full of people who, who are the lost sheep, sheep without a shepherd, and we know what God does to find those sheep, leaves the rest to go looking. We know that there's a world full of people who still feel harassed and helpless. So Matthew wants to know, do you see them? Are we going out to proclaim the good news of God, that, that the kingdom of God is, is here? Are we searching for ways to cleanse the leper, those who society pushes away? Are we looking for ways to bring new life through Jesus to help those who feel dead find life? So I think the most important thing that, that we can ask because of this text the reason Matthew really surprised me this week was, what does it actually mean to see others as Jesus sees them? To not prejudge before we learn who someone is. To, to, not, to not categorize someone or label them based on our own preconceptions. To not write off because of difference. But truly to see people as Jesus sees them. Someone who's feeling harassed and helpless, someone in need of compassion, even to know that we need that compassion. In this passage, um, in this passage, Jesus calls the disciples together for a very important reason. They weren't called together to, to make the first church. They weren't called together to take care of themselves. They, they weren't even called together to focus on, on their Needs. He didn't call them in order to uh, get them right with God. He called them together and then sent them out, out into the world to proclaim the good news, to, to make a difference in the lives of people. And we know that for all of their faults, all of their failures, the disciples listened. They came when Jesus called and they went when he sent them out. We wouldn't be here today if they hadn't gone to proclaim the good news. So we know for, for all that they didn't, didn't get it right, all the times they had to hear the lesson again, all the times they stumbled and they fought and they wondered who was the best among them, they still went when Jesus said go. So I can imagine, this was on my mind for much of this week, I can imagine Matthew standing here today before this group of Christians before every group of Christians who's hearing this same text read today. I can imagine Matthew standing here and, and saying, okay, you, you've, you've heard my words. You know what I have written down for you, what I saw. So Jesus said he needs laborers to go out and work the harvest, to get their hands dirty out in the fields. So are you ready to go? Amen.